Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is Julie Knudsen with the podcast Joining the Pointing Labrador, episode number 160. And I hope for people reading this uh, currently that they had a very good 4th of July, celebrated the birth of our country. That's a that's a that's something definitely worth celebrating. Uh, today's podcast, I am going to do a G update, of course, and I'm going to talk about do- going to another dog type. Um, and end it with a little bit on uh, some puppy stuff, but I'm going to, uh, I want to bring in another type of dog just to get people to think about their approach on, on the dogs that they're training. So the G update, we have not been doing upland because of temperature. I actually have birds that are just dying in the pen because I guess it's just not a good time for, you know, game birds in a, in a pen. So it's been real hot and I haven't done, uh, the last week or two. So I haven't had, I don't have anything to report on that. Um, we're doing the pile work when I just changed my, uh, approach with her again, a little bit with her. Uh, that's good again. Now she's turning both directions and going to the back pile. I don't have her at my side yet. And, and she's doing that not quite as tidy and crisp as I like, but with her, I got to get her doing it and then sort of tidy it up as we go. Uh, that just seems to work best with her mentality, which interestingly, I'm doing her sister, her littermate, and she's just, just really sharp, just sharp, 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 and all that. I, and she's just moving along really nicely. So just one litter, two different kind of dogs, changing the approach a little bit because one is very different from the other. And then uh, I, I put a video on uh, this last weekend's uh, very, very, very hot training day, and we were doing a set of uh, landmarks and and G was absolutely perfect. I, she didn't even hunt. Um, so she, and they weren't, they weren't just like little gimme marks. So the, everything is starting to come back just the way that I like it with her. So I just, with puppies and with young dogs like this, I really do encourage people, you know, you get all the, the should thing going and that's going to come up again in this podcast, you know, well, she, she should be doing this. Well, look at, you know, look at her breeding, look at all the work I'm doing and she should be. And, and I'm just, finding what works best with her and just going along at whatever speed that is instead of worrying about how this should be you know we just do what's best for her and always 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 that works out the best and actually the shortest the shortest distance between starting and getting where you want to go so things go well with g she has a and she swims totally normal if you saw her now you would not think anything funny those of you that see the video on facebook where it looked like she was never going to make it either out or back uh now she's that's just gone and uh, her retrieving is in the style of her parents i think so she's doing extremely well um so that's the g update the type of dog today that i want to talk about is what i hear people refer to as a stubborn a stubborn dog and i know exactly what they're talking about and for a long time i have used that same phrase or term for for dogs who are somewhat resistant to cooperating with you. I guess that's what we call it. You know, you show them what you want, you teach them, and they're just not all in. <laughs> they're just not all in. And so it can be interpreted a variety of ways. And that has more to say about the interpreter than what it is they're getting out of it. But it can be interpreted. You know, when a dog, basically, you're working with them, you're investing your time and energy to teach them. It, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, just to come when you call them or to heal or to sit or to have a better attitude about doing things with you. 
Um, and it, when, you, when you're doing that and the dog just doesn't really seem interested in it and, and to varying degrees has some uh, resistance to it. And so people call those stubborn dogs. And I've, I hear that a lot. Boy, is this dog stubborn. And I never uh, make any assumptions when I hear somebody say that because I have learned over a lot of dogs and a lot of making assumptions myself that uh, uh, most of the time, well, all the time, there's something going on there. And it would be really good to understand what that was. First step is to understand instead of going, well, this is a stubborn dog. You, you stamped your label on it that defines it for you. And now you're going to just deal with the stubborn dog. And so nothing's ever going to get better because you just have resigned yourself to just hammering away at this situation. I would encourage people to do what I've just been forced to do, um, for, you know, just trying to get better and trying to understand things. Or a lot of times where I get this stuff is when I'm trying to, I'm working with someone's dog and then I have to explain to the owner, you know, where we are and what's happening. It really makes me have to think uh, rationally and clearly so that I can explain something to them so I don't sound like a crazy lady or telling them, oh, your dog's no good. But a dog that is that is just kind of resistant in general, not entirely, I mean, but they just make you work double, triple hard and, and to get just even simple things done like heal or sit or come when I call you. So... What, I would look at it this way. There isn't like a stubborn dog type. You know, that just a stubborn dog. Okay, whenever you get one of these suckers, this is what you do. There are different things going on when dogs exhibit that behavior in response to you and in response to uh, their world and, and their environment and the other creatures, whether they're human or dogs or whatever. There is always something going on when the reaction to your dog, to you or these other things is not positive, is not what you want it to be. And before you just jump in and stamp your label on it, you might want to look a little more closely at that particular kind of behavior with the dog. And I'll give you an example. I have one in training right now that is a stubborn dog. And I mean... You know, if you were just labeling a stubborn dog, it's like this Hummer is, is on a one to 10, he's a nine and a half. And so I'm watching this dog and I've had him now for a little while and he's learning everything and, and doing really well. He's going to handle and do all this stuff. Uh, but so when I would, well, when I put the leash on him, it just started, just started things. He had the leash on him and, and he hadn't had a lot of leash work when I got him. And I, now I see why <laughs> after I got him. Because they probably ran into this and went, oh, let's just leave it for the trainer. But when I taught him I want him to walk along next to me and sit, he wanted to walk along three, four, five feet away from me and walk along with me. Way over there. So first I'd find myself battling with this dog. And the battle never, ever stopped. Every day when we would go start just our fundamental basic obedience work, he would be out as far as he could get away from me with the leash on. And so instead of just, you know, launching a full frontal assault on this deal, I decided it, I went after sit a little bit more than I went after heel to get his mind off of leaning as far away from me as possible and more on getting his bottom down to try and see what effect that had. 
You know, does that do anything or does now he even try to get further away from me? But what he was basically communicating was, I don't want to be here doing this with you and I certainly don't want to be close to you. And so I'm not going to, I am not going to react to it with an animal that way that doesn't want to be with me by doing something that makes him even more not to want to be with me. Right? So that's kind of important. If that if You would do that with a, a human too. If somebody really didn't like you, yelling and screaming and telling what a jerk they are will make them really, really not like you. And so that isn't going to fix the situation. So again, I tried working on sit and I would get, you know, over by a fence or a wall or something and we'd be doing it. So he couldn't get, you know, at the edge of the end of the however much leash, leash slack I gave him. But I, so he was there and then I'd, you know, just enforce sit and got him thinking a little bit more about sit and just see what happens. And then in other places, like when he's out in the yard with the other dogs at the end of the day, and they've all had dinner, and they're, all, they're not allowed to ram around and be crazy, but they're all out there. He had no interest in any of the other dogs. None. No interest. Now, he wasn't raised with another dog, and that may have been a part of that, but he was not interested in interacting um, with the other dogs. Matter of fact, when the other dogs were around, he would tend to kind of be over by me. I, apparently I was better, as unpleasant as I was to work with, better than the other dogs. He's not mean, didn't bite anybody or growl or anything. He just didn't want them bothering him. And so he'd stare closer to me and let them go. And so I'm, I'm watching this too. And so, and then when you take him out, like if you just take him out and, you know, we're going to go up for a walk out there, he would get 20 feet away from me, just right off. If I didn't, you know, wasn't on a leash and he would always, he'd go with me and he'd stay with me and he'd be 20 feet to 30 feet away the whole time. And he had been, he had been given, done the walk as a puppy with his owner. So I knew he knew that, but he, he, this next to me was no, just not going to do. So I'm getting all of these signals from this dog and it's not a personal thing. It's not a, I don't like you, Julie, and I'm not going to work with you. It's was not that. It was his, some sort of difficulty he has basically in, in some kind of, in connecting uh, very much. Loves retrieving. He would retrieve in fire. So he would, the retrieving, he'll do anything for retrieving. So, but it, he'd always get it and he'd, and he'd bring it back. Um, but he really had difficulty with, uh, with connecting and with a lot of commotion and stuff. So that was a little bit um, like some of the condition that, that kids have. It's like autism. It's a, I don't know a lot about autism. I've said that before. But from what I understand and have read a little bit, it's like they, there's a difficulty, one with a lot of input and a lot of stimulation. And just being sometimes so close to somebody, there's some difficulty in that for them. And so I think this dog has a, something like that. I'm not saying he's an autistic dog, but some kind of canine condition where they're just a little uncomfortable with the closeness and the intimacy and the connection and the, I mean, he doesn't come over and kiss you or anything. He'll follow me everywhere. When I'm cleaning candles, he'll just follow me around right with me. Won't touch me. Just right around with me. So I think that's his way of saying, hey, you know, we're buddies and I like you, but he can't say it the way that most of the other dogs do. So in training, and the, the reason I'm telling this story is because, so he would be a very stubborn dog because you could just jerk him on the leash all you wanted and he was still going to resist. So yes, did I make him walk on the leash? I did. 
but I didn't make that be the, the place where I won the battles. I would just altered the obedience a little bit. But what I did was, and I've been doing is he loves retrieving. So I kind of brought the retrieving into what we're doing and, and almost like a bargain. I'm not going to use treats with a dog like this because he'd, he'd do that. You get the treat and then go 10 feet away and sit down. It, that would not be effective. And it's that's not where I think bribery belongs. Um, so I, but I would use the retrieving and we would do some stuff and I would give him, I, I couldn't give him happy. I didn't give him happy bumpers because, because that was just let him just go crazy, run out there. And then it was real hard to reel him back into our connection. So I'd make him sit, which was very hard to do in the beginning. And send him and just hand throw one out there and then have him come back in and heal and sit. And so I began to say, all right, we're going to do what you love and you're going to try and you're going to do work with me on the things that I'm teaching. So we, you know, we did uh, obedience. We did collar conditioning. We did force fetch. And boy, he resisted that, you know, reaching for a bumper until I just finally showed him there's just you're just going to have to do it. And then boom. He, then he was like, the all resistance was gone and he did it. And then we did pile work and now he's running the pattern blinds and going through the swim by. So he's doing all of that and running marks really well and sits right next to me, waits to be sent. So by not shoving anything down his throat and yet not letting him prevail and tell me, no, I don't want to do it. And me going, oh, okay. I never did that, but I understood what the difficulty was for this dog. And I think that there's different, they're not, all stubborn dogs are not this. There's a lot of, a variety of reasons uh, for stubborn. His was this kind of condition where the connection thing was just not something that was natural to him and intuitive. And I know his owners tried, you know, and they were kind of worried when they sent him, like, I don't know if he's going to make it. And I, and, and yet he, his retrieving was, I mean, he just almost irrationally intense. So We've bumped through this deal a little bit and understanding where his psychology and emotional state is, and then using that a little bit. So that's some dogs. Matter of fact, I've seen, I've seen that a number of times. Then there's another kind of stubborn. Okay. So we're going to stamp these labels on there. There are dogs who appear stubborn, who just, uh, when you show them stuff and you teach them stuff, regardless of how willing they may be. And I have, a, I have one of these, as a matter of fact. Oh my gosh, the most willing. He'll kiss you, he'll sit on you, he'll stand on your feet. He, the intimacy thing, he has zero. He has too much of that. He wants to just be in your face and on you. And he just loves you and whatever you want to do, he wants to do it. And he loves retrieving and everything. He's just, oh, just so. And yet, <clears throat> when he learns things, and he's a master pointing retriever already. Right? So when he handles a handle and he's steady in the upland field, all that stuff. But it, it's like he would, I would teach him stuff and he would get it. And then we'd do something else when we come back two days later and he didn't get it anymore. He didn't remember from two days back. And so it, it looked like he was just telling me, I don't want to do this. I like that. But by watching, by watching uh, what he did. Now he was, he's like super friendly, wants to sit on your lap. He loves every other dog, gets in their business, something fierce, just, he's very intensely connected with everything. So it's nothing like that other deal, but the way his mind works, 
so I just, instead of getting mad and frustrated and what he should be doing, he should have, I've done this, you know, for four days in a row and I'll just take the weekend off, come back and he doesn't know what we're doing. He should, I, I didn't do that. I just gathered the data and went, gosh, when you do something for four days and then don't for two days, he's, he's three steps forward and four steps back. And so learning about this dog and what's in his head, if you work on it every day and keep it in there, it, 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 can, it will be there the next day. And if you need it to be there for a long time, I mean, permanently, like sitting on a whistle or taking a left back, if you want that kind of thing, you, you have to work on it all the time and never just let it slide for a little while. So some element, some aspect of it, you have to put in there all the time. And as the months go by, then he gets, it becomes more built into him. And I know when he's, you know, two years old, three years old, he'll probably be just fine. But he would have appeared to be, you know, a stupid, stubborn, airheaded, just different stuff. But the way he had to learn was by, by doing it all the time and you can't just it just goes away if you stop for a while so he's you know we we work whoa and uh, and we work handling and we we do blinds and we do marks and we do all of all the time <laughs> so that so i mean you know we always go do a little aspect of something almost every day to keep all of that in there so no i don't I'm not going to call that stupid because he's really good when he's got it all and when, but it doesn't stay in there for, so for some reason, retaining uh, what he's learned is a long-term thing. So, and there's people like that. And then once they retain it, they're as good as people that got it real quick or dogs that got it real quick. But you have to be more patient and just do more of that. And it's easy Again, he should. I could have. I could have sent him home and said, "Listen, this dog is not learning this stuff. I teach him, and then he doesn't do it." Um, but, but fortunately, the owner gave time. But so you can easily see just by watching and going. Interesting. I did this four days in a row. Took two days off, and then come back, and he's like, "We didn't haven't done it, or he doesn't remember any of it." And you just can pick up things like that if you put the shoulds away, if you get those things out of the way. Okay, those those kind of dogs aren't very hard because you don't have to be too tough on them and you don't have to, you just have to have the patience and just stay at things like that. And that's fairly common as well in dogs. Another stubborn uh, thing is the dog that doesn't really care. And there are those. They're not real common, particularly in the retrievers, you know. Well, there's a few of the retriever breeds that are a little more that way than others, but but dogs that just kind of don't care. And that's always been a, you know, a kind of a mystery because you, if you're doing Labradors or Goldens, you know, good Lord. I mean, they're almost like two buddies. Um, they're just really, they care a lot and they, you know, stare at you and lean on you and, and they, you know, you're just so important to them. Some dogs in the breed, these breeds and all breeds really just don't care. Just like there's humans, you know, there are some humans raised in a warm, loving family. Everything's great. Um, I actually had a brother kind of that way. I don't know that ours was a warm, loving family entirely. But anyway, we were, there was three of us kids. And, and this guy was never, just wasn't interested in anything with the family or any of us. And, and he went off in the military and then went off on his own and hardly ever saw him. He just 
just didn't, wasn't interested in it. At, you know, always a mystery to me, you know, it's family, man, how can you? But he was that way. And, and there are, I've known people that way that are just kind of the loners, you know, they just let, just be happy. You know, in the old days, he would have been a trapper up in the mountains, I guess, just living off the land and being by himself. And there are dogs that are that way also. There are dogs that really just don't care <laughs> how you feel about stuff or what you want. And to varying degrees. Some have a little bit of that in them. Some have, you know, fair amount. And some have a whole lot. Now those are usually, those are probably your better your junkyard dogs where you put them out there and keep everybody out of the car lot or whatever. But there are dogs that are that way. And I've had some uh, talented labs in my life, you know, not relatively talented. They could do stuff, but they would just as soon not uh, do it for me or for their owners or for anybody. And that's just built into the dog. So that's not a dog to bribe because they don't, they'll go, yeah, give me a treat. <laughs> I'm okay with that or not. I don't care. So the bribery thing doesn't work with them. And they're, you're not going, patience, like with the dog I mentioned, you know, you can be as patient as you want. They still aren't going to care because that's how they're wired and you're not going to change that so if you have one of those guys again they should be have a better attitude they should you can do all the should stuff it changes nothing the only thing that matters is what is type of dog is this and what are they telling you so first you're looking at this dog right you're, you're looking at this dog and I've, I've trained several of these they come and they 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 don't make much eye contact they look at you to take a reading on you and then they really don't care and they're looking for whatever they want to do. And, and if you let them get away with stuff, then they'll just push because they just don't care, right? So you have to make sure that they understand, you know, you got, can't knock me out of the way coming through the door or the gate or something. And you have to do that in a convincing way that is what you do to prevent them from being obnoxious to you is greater than the level that they don't care about you. That's just the mathematics on that let's say you got a dog that he just wants to go through the gate because that's what he wants to do and it doesn't matter if you get knocked over knocked down slammed into the gate stepped on it just really doesn't matter so you have to do something whether it's with your healing stick or with a bat or whatever you do um i i wouldn't use electricity on this kind of thing you know because then you have to have electricity but you have to do something to them if they're going to come smashing by you where they go, wow, I better not do that anymore. And their concern about avoiding the consequence is greater than the desire to shove by you and go where they want. And so in all of your training with dogs like that, and I've done this, you know, it's some, they can do good stuff. In our retriever world, they can do good stuff. In life, you know, people that just have one of these kind of dogs because you're never going to make them care, Right. They should be this way and that way, right? But they are what they are. And the shoulds need to get shoved away again. And so if you have this dog and he is in your life and she, they're doing whatever they, you know, whatever you got them for. If you understand, this dog doesn't seem too interested in my opinion about anything. So what I'm going to do, just like if you had an employee or something, you know, you'd have to say, listen, employee, if you want the job here, you have to show up on time. You have to work the entire time that we've asked you to work. And you can't leave until it's leaving time. And you can, and, and if you don't want to do that, then you'll, you know, you won't be an employee. It, so you, the consequence, what do you want? 
if you if you don't mind the consequence, then they're going to leave. So with a dog, it's the same thing. It's like, all right, you're going to heal and sit or what? Do the come when I call you, and I'm going to require that you do it at whatever level makes you say, okay, I'll do it. Of enforcement pressure and training, that's what you do, and if you do it convincingly you don't just work real delicately up there you're going all right but you got to come when I call you and I'm going to show you that you have to come when I call you and you do whatever level of enforcement on that dog where they go I think I'm going to come to you because you called me and that's what you do and then they will if they know you're going to follow through and always be that way and if you don't then they won't so there's that kind of stubborn dog those guys aren't fun uh, to train because it's just all serious all the time. We, you don't get to whoo have a it's a woohoo fun time, but they're very. It's actually fairly straightforward and simple because you know exactly the training regime you got to use. You know, even if they like retrieving, they'll do it the way you want it if they know that you're going to make sure that they do. Otherwise, they may you know not do it exactly how you want or they come in when you call thing. You know, for people with whatever kind of dog. They still have, wiener dogs are good about, nah, I really don't think so. And you have to show a wiener dog, yeah, I, I do think so, and you're going to have to do it. So um, they're easy, that the kind of dog's easy to work with because it's the same kind of training principle you use all the time. You don't have to play a little bouncy game like, okay, you get to retrieve, but you got to do what I say, like on the first dog I talked about. It's just like, you got to do what I say. And that's all they're going to respect. If you play games and enticements and baby voices and all that stuff, they, they're going to just ignore you <laughs> because they want what they want and you're making a bunch of noise. So that's a, that's a, like I said, that's a fairly straightforward, easy, stubborn dog to train. I think finally, and there's probably, you know, there's mixtures of these guys and stuff. I think the, the last major one that I would talk about that looks like a stubborn dog would be a dog that has difficulty comprehending things. Put whatever word you want to that. But they're just like humans, just like any animal, like any living thing. Some process, figure, think, observe, kind of come to their own kind of little canine conclusions. Some do that really rapidly. Some have great difficulty doing that. So dogs without a high level of quick comprehension and understanding uh, can can be taught a lot of things. Maybe not the most advanced or sophisticated things. It, it may be so even with enough time. But when you have a dog that has difficulty comprehending things, the first dog, the one dog I talked about, it was retaining. He understood stuff. He just didn't retain it. But when you have a dog that just really doesn't understand, and you know, that that happens then one, the one thing you want to do, again, like all these others, is recognize that. Recognize that it's not that this dog doesn't care. It's not that this dog, you know, has some kind of problem being around you. It isn't this dog isn't retaining anything. It's that this dog isn't even taking this stuff in very well. And if he's, you know, not leaning away and not trying to get away or not getting all upset, if he's just like kind of confused and enduring this, then you have a dog that's having difficulty understanding. Assuming, assuming that you're doing a good job of teaching and training, you know, you've got to communicate to a dog in a way that's meaningful to the dog 
if you only train one way and this is how I do it and this dog doesn't get it, then you're going to have the same result. But that's not the dog's fault. That's the trainer's fault. You need to find a way that the dog learns and understands stuff. And then you have to work through that. But there are dogs uh, that, that just really have a hard time getting a new concept. They're very good at the place they exist, right? They're very good in your house or in your life. And they go down for a walk down to the park every evening and they go in the backyard and they sleep in the dog bed and they, you know, they do all that. But now we're going to teach them something else. And it's like, Oh, what? Oh, this is, and it's a new thing compared to the rhythm that their brain and, and, and heart and mind have been working. And now you're going to do something a little bit different. And I've gotten some of these guys in for training, you know, all of a sudden they're the trainers. What happened? What? I understood life. Now I understand nothing. And so they're kind of blown away by being here, but that's not what I'm talking about. When I start teaching them stuff, it, 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 it's like there's no place in their brain for new stuff. And it's not because of what their owners did or anything else. It's just that there's not really a space in there for new stuff. So when you have a dog like that, it doesn't mean give up, you can't do it. It means one, understand what's happening right there. And you can tell. Again, if you, instead of the shoulds, well, this dog should have gotten it, all that. That's the worst thing in all of dog training is the word should and probably life and everywhere else. It, it's just, no, it is just harmful. So when you get one of these dogs and you show them something, let's say, um, let's just say you're trying, let's use retrievers. You're trying to get them to hold a bumper, right? They've never, they, they retrieve stuff. But they don't know they're holding something. They're running out there doing this autonomic thing that they do. They run out and they pick up whatever you threw. And they come running back and they give it to you or throw it at you or whatever they do. And so now we're going to teach them, no, I just want you to hold this in your mouth. No context. No no understanding. Not aware that they've been holding it when they were retrieving. Not, not, none of that. No connection there at all. It's just like, oh, no, my God, you're shoving something in my mouth. I don't think I'm going to die. And, and they're just so upset over this thing which has just no context, no frame of reference. It just seems horrible. And so you have to very slowly and with some concern and, and, and sensitivity for what the dog is going through, because this makes no sense. Okay. Even if they've been retrieving, carrying it in their mouth, you understand that you make that connection. Many times they don't. And this is an example. It happens all over the place. So just getting them to have it in their mouth and relax just relax, just hold, just for, just sit here quietly and do this. That may take a week. I don't know, maybe longer even. It may take a while before this new thing that you're trying to do. And then they're going, well, okay, I'll just sit here and try it. And then everything else that's new, that there hasn't been that in their, in their mind, uh, is just takes you. It's like chiseling into stone. You've got to chisel the new stuff in there and be patient and chisel just a little bit at a time and understand that you're chiseling into this dog's head. The mistake I, I have made, and I know people make on that, is like the retrieving thing. When I get dogs to hold bumpers, holy moly, uh, when they have difficulty learning stuff, even though they retrieve the bumper outside for me. Again, they, the connection seems so obvious, not to this creature. Not to this creature. They were running out and running back with this thing. And now all of a sudden you're sitting there and it's jammed in my mouth. Totally different deal. 
And so when dogs have difficulty understanding and making connections, you're, you're chiseling into stone a little bit. And if you don't have the patience or the ability to do that, don't take it out on the dog. Don't just don't do that. But if you have a dog that's going to be a a slow learner and going to take some chiseling, then understand that's what you've got. And then uh, get a good chisel, hammer and chisel thing there, and then begin. And be patient and know that you can only chisel so much. Get that nice and polished up and then take another step. So a lot of times those dogs look stubborn and my heart breaks for them because they're not stubborn. They are just getting beat up because they do not understand what's happening and they should be. They should be understanding. So that is, um, that's kind of a discussion on stubborn dog. So I talked about a lot of different kind of dogs that we all stamp the stubborn label on. And I've heard stubborn so many times and I just cringe a little bit. Uh, I hope it's, when they say that, I hope it's one of those dogs that don't care because then they don't care what you do to them really unless it's big enough. But the other guys you can really mess with because you're not understanding uh, the psychology and their, their, you know, I don't know, their emotions kind of, you know, because they are. They have canine kind of emotions. And if, if training is this unpleasant thing because you don't understand where they're coming from, uh, then training is an unpleasant thing. And then it's going to be unpleasant for them and then for you. And, and then, you know, a lot of times people send them off to some trainer that'll fix it for them and on. Oh my gosh. So take the time to observe without the should thing, throw the should thing away and just watch things. Not want just the interaction with you, but that animal's interaction with the world, just non-judgmentally sit there and watch that. And they will tell you the story. And somebody asked, I saw on Facebook, somebody was taking their little eight-week-old puppy for a walk. And somebody went, oh, what's the walk? And he said, oh, it's a thing you do with your puppy to bond and teach him about the environment or something. But it's so much more than that. Because if you do have a puppy and you do take them on a walk without other people and without other dogs and without all kinds of stuff going on, they'll tell you this stuff right then. If you can just watch. And just see, instead of the shoulds, oh, shouldn't he be looking for birds? Shouldn't he be all that stuff? And just see what that dog does in its interactions with itself, with the environment, with the toad that went by, you know, with whatever. If you just watch that stuff, a lot of times you get great insight into this type of what kind of dog you have and what the issues that you're going to be dealing with as you begin more formal training. Very helpful. So the walk is so much more than just a time to bond i'll I'll tell you that anyway that's today's i hope that's useful uh it's not useful for people to just have a real willing easy fun dog to train but it's important to uh for all of us to develop that observation without judgment and throwing the shoulds away and a lot of your troubleshooting that you need to do with your dog and whatever's going on initiated right there might get you to a good answer so after that It's very warm for all of us. Uh, I hope everyone's having a good, safe summer. And G and I will be back soon.